You know, as we began our new sermon series entitled God's Blueprint for Rebuilding His Church in Your Life, we saw that Nehemiah was facing some really hard truths about God's nation and God's people and the serious need for rebuilding that they had. I will just say that I believe that the Lord's church and in many instances the Lord's people today are in need of rebuilding. Last week we asked a question, that being the case, do you have the courage to respond to the truth? Well, this week we asked the question, do you have the courage to meet the need yourself? But before we go there, I want to tell you about these two old geezers that were living in the mountain backwoods. One's name was Rufus, the other's name was Clarence. Now, Rufus and Clarence lived on opposite sides of the river, and they absolutely hated each other. Every single morning at sunup, Rufus and Clarence would come down to the river, and from their respective sides of the river, they would start to yell at each other. Clarence would shout, Rufus, you better be glad that I don't know how to swim, or I'd swim this river and whoop you. And then Clarence would say, or Rufus would say, Clarence, you better be glad that I don't know how to swim or I'd swim this river and I'd come whoop you. Every morning, every day, for 25 years, this went on. Well, one day, the Army Corps of Engineers came up and they built a bridge across that river. But the insults kept going on every morning, every day, for another five years. Well, finally, Rufus's wife had had enough, and she squalored one day, Rufus, I can't take it no more. For 25 years, you've been threatening to whoop Clarence. Well, there's that bridge. Have at it. Well, Rufus thought for a moment, and he chewed his bottom lip for a moment. And he said, woman, you got it. I'm going to whoop Clarence. And so Rufus walked out the door. He walked down to the river. He walked along the river bank. He came up to the bridge. He stepped up onto the bridge. He walked about halfway to the bridge. And then he turned tail and ran screaming back to his house where he slammed the door, bolted the window, grabbed his shotgun, and dove under the bed. Well, Rufus's wife said, Rufus, what is your biggest problem? I thought you was going to whoop Clarence. What incarnation is wrong with you? And Rufus said, still shaking in his shoes, he said, well, I walked halfway across that bridge and I saw a sign. And it said, Clarence, 13 feet, 6 inches. I didn't ever think that Clarence was that big from my side of the river. Y'all like a good pastor joke, don't you? Amen. Well, that one has bearing. That one has bearing because have you ever hesitated when you were presented with a golden opportunity? Have you ever balked, wavered, or been indecisive when an opportunity that you've been waiting for for a long time presented itself to you? 
Was there something that made you pause because it seemed like it was a whole lot bigger than what you thought it was? Well, this is exactly what happened to Nehemiah. When we began reading Nehemiah's journal last week, we discovered that Nehemiah is made aware of a problem, but he don't know the solution. You may remember that Nehemiah lived in Persia's capital city, Shushan, which was the most powerful place in the world at that time. And through his brother Hananiah, Nehemiah gets bad news. It seems that the walls and the gates protecting the temple of God and surrounding the city of God have been flattened and the gates have been burned to ashes. Morale amongst the people of God is at an all-time low. And Nehemiah is made aware of this need. He sees the need, but what needs to be done about it remains unclear. And so Nehemiah turns to God for help. Nehemiah has seen the problem. Nehemiah has felt the need in his heart. He knows there's a problem. But he doesn't know the solution to his problem. And so he shares the need with God. He prays for God's help with the nation's problem. And through four months of fervent praying, Nehemiah discovers, listen to this, Nehemiah discovers that God may have already put him in a place to meet that need. God may have already put Nehemiah where he needs to be to accomplish the solution to his problem. So Nehemiah realizes something. And he realizes something that I pray we all realize this morning. And that is that we have a responsibility to use what God has already given us. Can I have an amen on that? We all have a responsibility to use what God has already given us. There is a part, friend, of your God-given purpose that you alone can fulfill. There was a part of Nehemiah's God-given purpose that he alone could fulfill. So here in Nehemiah chapter 2, I believe it's page 426 in the Bibles in front of you, we're going to look at five ways that Nehemiah was made ready and that you and I can be made ready for the task, the God-given task that God has before us. Nehemiah chapter 2, follow along with me. In Nehemiah's journal, in chapter 2 verse 1, he writes, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, When wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in the presence of the king. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of the heart. And so Nehemiah says, I became dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and the gates are burned with fire? 
And then the king said to me, what do you request? And so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me. And I set for him a time. But then Nehemiah says, "Um, oh, by the way, king, there's more. (laughs) Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they they may permit me to pass through until I come to Judah. And then Nehemiah said, oh, by the way, king, there's more. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I'm going to occupy. And the king granted them to me, according to the good hand of my God upon me. So in that narrative, in that entry of Nehemiah's journal... We find the first way that not only Nehemiah, but also you and I can be made ready for our God-given purpose. The first one is we need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our hearts. Let me tell you another story quickly about a professor of university gifted students. The professor had given them all this material that was going to be on their midterm exam. The students literally gasped out loud when they saw how much material was going to be on this test. About a week after the exam was taken, the professor comes in, slaps those graded papers on her desk, and she says, Class, after you took this exam, the Lord spoke to me. She said, God said, Thank you, Professor. I haven't heard from some of those kids in years. You see, when we realize that the problem is bigger than we are, we'll go to God for help. And that's exactly the example that Nehemiah gives us. Friend, we are to pray passionately and we are to pray consistently. Notice that before Nehemiah goes busting in to the king of uh, Artaxerxes for help, what does he do? Nehemiah spends time in God's waiting room. You ever been there? You ever been in God's waiting room? Waiting for God's will to unfold in your life? Have you ever been in God's waiting room waiting for him to do what you've been praying for years? I believe we've often been there. But can I tell you, that's a great place to be because when we spend time with God, we find that our prayer will keep our burdens real and it will keep our heart excited. Have you ever noticed that you tend to see what you look for? Ever noticed that? You tend to see what you look for. Well, prayer keeps us looking for God to intervene. Prayer helps us see where God is already working in our lives. 
Well, Nehemiah waited in God's waiting room, and he prayed for four long months. Nehemiah resisted that urge to take things, take matters into his own hands and do things in his own strength. How often have you and I done that? Done things in our own power because we were tired of waiting on God. The waiting room. Nehemiah expected God to do something when God was good and ready to do it. Amen? That's where you and I need to be. Now, there's a second way that Nehemiah is made ready and that you and I are made ready for God's given purpose for our lives. And that is we need to learn to bloom where we're planted. Bloom where we're planted. You see, in many ways, you and I often fail to see the wonderful truth that God masterminds all the circumstances. Are you hearing me, church? God masterminds all the circumstances. God is always working. He's always working behind the scenes to place you and I where he wants us. We found last week that God landed Nehemiah a terrific job. It was a job that gave him an inside track to the king. An inside track to the king, but here's the important part. God landed him that job before the need was identified. He was already there when the need arisen had arisen. So I wonder, what position has God placed you in? What position has God placed you in in your job? What position of leadership has God already placed you in? What position, what abilities has God already given you for His God-given purpose? What resources has God already given to you to fulfill His God-given purpose, not only in your life, but in the life of the church? Nehemiah's job. In Nehemiah's job, the king trusted Nehemiah daily to do his job, to fulfill his duty. And I wonder, can our king trust us? Can our king trust me? Can our king trust you to fulfill your duty, to fulfill his God-given purpose? Nehemiah's job, As the king's cupbearer, it was Nehemiah's duty to taste the food before the king ate it. So if the food was poisoned, just guess who's going to be the first to know? Nehemiah. Now, we don't have any idea how he got this job. But what we need to know here is, is it for the king, for King Artaxerxes... It was more than just a job he was given Nehemiah. It was personal. Because King Artaxerxes knew the taste of betrayal. Because what you don't know is King Artaxerxes' father had been poisoned by a trusted servant. That made Nehemiah's job all the more 
important. So we don't have any idea how Nehemiah came into this position. All we know is he's in this position, and apparently he's serving the king responsibly. He's serving the king with integrity. And that's so true for you and I. That is so true in our own lives. So often we wonder why. Why is God allowing this to happen to me? Have you ever said that, by the way? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? And then somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line you realize, listen, that God has positioned you. Why is God letting this happen to me? And then we realize, oh, I see. You wanted me here for this reason. And when that moment comes, when that moment comes, we realize that our waiting time has not been wasted time. Amen? We realize that all the time we waited was not in vain. For Nehemiah, Nehemiah knew the king's heart. He knew that his heart had to be changed. Because see, what you don't know is, is that Artaxerxes had previously issued an order that the city of Jerusalem would never be rebuilt. And here Nehemiah is wanting to go rebuild it. But we realize that Nehemiah finds that now he's in a position to influence the king. He's in a position to do something about this problem in Jerusalem. And this shows me and you that we ought to take advantage of opportunities in our life. Let's be sure to take advantage of opportunities. Because see, the sad news in Jerusalem has so deeply affected Nehemiah that his face showed it. His face showed the sadness. And the king said, boy, what's going on with you? What's the matter with you? You ain't sick. And now, listen, God has swung the doors wide open. This was the golden opportunity that Nehemiah had been looking for to talk to the king about this matter. So that being said, let's see a third way that Nehemiah is made ready, that you and I can be made ready for the task that God has set before us. And that is pray breath prayers. Pray breath prayers. When that door swings open, what you better learn is that you got to trust God. You've got to learn to trust God. In verse 4, we find that after the king asked Nehemiah what he wanted, Nehemiah didn't just spout off his request. What did he do? The Bible says he offered a short breath prayer. We don't know exactly what he prayed. All we know is the Bible says is that he prayed to the God of heaven, period. He prayed to the God of heaven. Friend, that's what it means to pray without ceasing. In every moment of your life, when you wake up, before you eat, before you go to work, before you make a decision, you need to be praying without ceasing. Nehemiah takes a deep breath and he utters a prayer. I think it was probably, Lord, help. Amen. But he prays this small prayer and then he says what God has placed on his heart. Nehemiah knows the time has come. He knows that God has orchestrated 
all the events in a way that even Nehemiah couldn't miss it. And that shows us that when the time comes, y'all, even though we're scared to death, we've got to act boldly for God. We must act boldly for God even when we're scared. See, Nehemiah could have gotten himself into a whole heap of trouble. His gloomy face was considered more than just bad manners. Being sad in the presence of the king was a poor reflection on the king's goodness. And it was punishable by death. You come busting into the king's court with a gloomy face, off with his head. But Nehemiah's faith was greater than his fear. His faith was greater than his fear. And then God gives Nehemiah the perfect words to say. He basically says this. Oh, great king, I pray you live forever, but I want to honor the burial place of my fathers. Knowing the relationship between Artaxerxes and his father, that proved to be the angle. It proved to be the angle that touched the heart of the king. And that leads us to a fourth way. That Nehemiah is made ready, that you and I are made ready for God's given purpose for our lives. And that is when we start to see it, we better start devoting time to planning. We must start devoting effort to planning for the future. Nehemiah's example shows us that the presence of faith does not mean the absence of organization. You hear me? The presence of faith does not mean the absence of organization. We're to think through everything that's got to happen for us to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. For Nehemiah, this ain't no small plan. For Nehemiah, this is huge, y'all. Just think about the process for a second. First of all, Nehemiah has to convince the king to let him leave to rebuild the city. Second, he has to convince the king to give him plenty of money to do it. Third, he's got to convince the king to provide letters guaranteeing safe travel. Fourth, he's got to get lumber from the king's forest so that he can rebuild the city gates. Fifth, he's got to ask the king for the title of governor of Judah. Sixth, he's got to organize this rebuilding process. And seventh, not only has he got to start the project, most importantly, he's got to finish it. He's got to finish the task set before him. But for four months, y'all, for four months, Nehemiah has thought all this through, all the details with God's influence. But here's something else that he did. Nehemiah expected the unexpected. He expects the unexpected. And friend, when we move forward, in God's given purpose for our life, in God's given purpose for this church, we better be prepared for opposition. Because let me tell you something. When you follow God's plan for your life, when you follow God's plan for his people, when you follow God's plan for his church, there's one thing you can take to the bank. And that is opposition will come. Somebody 
is going to start complaining about you doing the right thing. Nehemiah moved forward. He didn't care. His eyes were wide open knowing that just because God gave him a vision, it didn't mean that it was going to be easy. In fact, it was probably going to be really difficult. And so now we come to the fifth and the final way that Nehemiah's made ready, that you and I can be made ready to fulfill our God-given purpose. And that is we need to trust God's omniscient providence. We need to trust God's all-knowing providence for our lives, for this church, even for our nation. From the king, Nehemiah hears a great word. From Artaxerxes, Nehemiah hears the word granted. Your request is granted. And Nehemiah discovers that all that time that he was serving in the the king's court, no, it wasn't wasted time. It was time well spent. And that he was a man for such a time as this. You might be the man or woman for such a time as this. Again, waiting time does not mean wasted time. Listen, y'all, no matter how it may seem, God is working. No matter how difficult your challenges may be, God is working. He is doing His will. His providence is being unfolded. And I want you to know today that what you're doing and where you're located at this point in your life is no accident. God knows where you are. And he knows why you're there. He wants you to know you have been placed. You have been placed. You may not know what in the world God is up to behind the scenes of your life. Friend, you may not see it right now, but in time you will see that you have been positioned to do His work, His way, for His glory. The question remains is once you understand that, Are you going to follow the biblical example of Nehemiah? Or are you going to tuck tail and run like old Rufus? I read that dreamers dream about things being different. Visionaries see themselves making a difference. Y'all hear that? Dreamers dream of things being different. Visionaries see themselves making a difference. You see, when God places a burden on you, when He places a burden on you that calls for change in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, in this nation, will you be ready to be used by the hand of God? To make a difference. 
I read a saying about change. You may have heard it before. But it says, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always gotten. Y'all hearing me? If we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always gotten. Change ain't bad, y'all. Change wasn't bad for Nehemiah, and change isn't bad for you and I. So are you ready to move? Are you ready to move on to goals that are bigger than you? Can I tell you, if it comes from God, it ought to be too big. Amen? It ought to be too big. I read in Ezekiel 20 verse 30 in the Bible where God said, I sought for a man who would build up the wall, who would stand in the gap before me so that I should not destroy it. But, and these are perhaps the saddest words in the Bible, God sought for a man who would build up the wall, who would stand in the gap, but listen to what the Bible says. God said, I found none. I found none. Friend, during times of great threats, lawlessness abounding in our nation, Sin having its influence on our kids. When we come to these great threats to our marriages and to our families, to our church and to our kids, I want you to know that God is searching for men and for women who will stand in the gap and build up the wall. Is that you? Is that you? As we said last week, God looks... For people who possess a holy ambition to see his agenda fulfilled in this world. God is actually searching. He is searching for those who say, I am determined to be the one who will make a difference for the next generation. I'm him, Lord. I'm the one who will build up the wall. I'll help standing in the gap. I'll do it. See, Nehemiah shows us that we got to have courage. we got to have courage to meet the needs of our time, to meet the needs in our family, to meet the needs in our church, to meet the needs in our nation. Why? Because God created you for that purpose. God created you to make a difference in your surroundings. God called you to possess that holy ambition, to bathe it in prayer, and to fulfill God's purpose for a lost and dying generation. So I want to encourage you today to be courageous, to prepare your heart to meet the need of the times by planting, being just blooming where you're planted, by praying without ceasing, by being a part of the effort to plan for the future, all the while trusting in God's providence. Let's look to God to work. Friend, let's expect God to work in our midst. We may not see how, but we can be assured that God is going to use us, that God is going to use us even in our present situation. To fulfill his will.
Friend, even when it's scary, even when it's beyond what you think we can do, and it should be, amen? It should be. Let's possess that holy ambition that we can accomplish what God has given for us in our marriages, in our families, in our church, and in our country. Especially, though, when it comes to the future of His church. Friend, we are on a wild ride right now. Because we have a lot of things going against us, but we have the Holy Spirit of God who is with us. And I pray that you're going to want to be a part. You're going to want to be on board for this wild ride. But for that to happen, you're going to have to first come to faith in Jesus Christ and have a relationship with God Almighty. If you'd like to have that today, I want to encourage you to come and accept the gift of God which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for you. Father God, we praise you and we thank you so much for your love, for your affection, and for the work you want to do through your servants. Lord, the job is so big, you've got to do it. And so, Lord, we petition you and we come to you for your help. Lord, help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to put effort into the planning. Father, help us to be willing to bloom where we're planted. Father, I pray that we would trust your omniscient providence because you've got these people placed in this church for your perfect will to do exciting and amazing things in this generation. Lord, I love you. We love you. And we pray if there's even one who needs to come to Christ today, to have a relationship with you, Father, they would not wait because today might be the last day. Today may be the day that Jesus comes returning for his church. And, Father, we need to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, have your will in your way in this decision time. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and sing. Come as you are. Let's stand. Let's sing.